Good morning. Welcome to Crestview Inspiration, a ministry of encouragement from Crestview Baptist Church in Canton, North Carolina. We want to share with you sweet songs of worship and an uplifting word from the scriptures. While you listen, may the spirit of grace flow from heaven into your heart and home, right where you are. Good morning, everyone. Thank you so much for tuning in today. We hope you enjoy these next two original songs, Living Water and Home. He was there at the well when she walked up. He asked for a drink of water. He told her her life, her sins and her past. She needed the love of a father. She didn't know that he had come there to set her free. Living water.
midst of the city, a river of life flowing with grace. It's healing the thirsting of many, and the water that flows from the next original song that I want to share with you um, just speaks to our heavenly home. So much in the world today is going on that it just drove my heart to want to sing this song about heaven. We're looking forward to something better, guys, something that will last, something that's amazing forever. I hope you enjoy this song and that it touches you and that you remember that your struggle today is not everything. You have a future, you have a hope, and you have a home in heaven if you're in Christ. I can't wait to move into a mansion In the place where His light shines for all I can't wait to stand upon the mountain Of His glory, the mountain of God When I get home, I will to the presence of the Holy One To worship God alone When I get home I will fly On the wings of angels To the throne of God and cry Holy, so holy The Lamb upon his throne I know him and I'm known he's holy so holy forever he will reign he is worthy of our praise he's holy see the face of Jesus shining with the brightness of the sun he'll restore what sin and death have broken he will lift my earthly chains as I'm standing in his grace when I get of the Holy One to 
to worship God alone. When I get home, I will fly on the wings of angels to the throne of God and cry. He's holy, so holy, the Lamb upon His throne. I know Him and I'm known. He's holy, so holy, forever He will reign. He is worthy of our praise. He's holy. As angels cry and saints rejoice, the Lamb of God will raise His voice like water pouring from the stream. The Spirit who has set me free, and the Father will declare His reign. As Jesus calls me out by name, I'll step into the life He bought at Calvary. Surrounded by the bride of Christ that He redeemed And I'll step into the life He bought at Calvary Surrounded by the bride of Christ that He redeemed When I get home, I will run to the presence of the Holy One To worship God alone When I get home I will fly On the wings of angels To the throne of God and cry Holy, holy The Lamb upon his throne. I know him and I'm known. He's holy, so holy. And I can't wait to go Good morning. I want to pick up the study in the book of Daniel. Thank you guys for that beautiful music. And I want to pick up chapter 8. We're continuing our study in the book of Daniel, and we're in the sermon entitled A Vision of the Future. And I'm going to finish the second half of this sermon. I'm picking the text up in verse 13. I hope you have your Bibles. If you're able to take a Bible and pick up Daniel 8, verse 13, the Bible says, Then I heard a holy one speaking. And another holy one said to that certain one who was speaking, How long will the vision be concerning the daily sacrifices and the transgression of desolation, the giving of both the sanctuary and the host to be trampled underfoot? And he said to me, For two thousand three hundred days, then the sanctuary shall be cleansed. Then it happened when I, Daniel, had seen the vision and was seeking the meaning that suddenly there stood before me one having the appearance of a man. And I heard a man's voice between the banks of the Uli who called and said, Gabriel, make this man understand the vision. So he came near where I stood, and when he came I was afraid and fell on my face. But he said to me, 
Understand, son of man, that the vision refers to the time of the end. Now, as he was speaking with me, I was in a deep sleep with my face to the ground. But he touched me and stood me upright, and he said, Look, I am making known to you what shall happen in the latter time of the indignation. For at the appointed time the end shall be. The ram which you saw having the two horns, they are the kings of Media and Persia. And the male goat is the kingdom of Greece. The large horn that is between its eyes is the first king. As for the broken horn and the four that stood up in its place, four kingdoms shall arise out of that nation, but not with its power. And in the latter time of their kingdom, when the transgressors have reached their fullness, a king shall arise having fierce features, who understands sinister schemes. His power shall be mighty, but not by his own power. He shall destroy fearfully and shall prosper and thrive. He shall destroy the mighty and also the holy people. Through his cunning, he shall cause deceit to prosper under his rule, and he shall exalt himself in his heart. He shall destroy many in their prosperity. He shall even rise against the prince of princes, but he shall be broken without human means. And the vision of the evenings and mornings which was told is true. Therefore, seal up the vision, for it refers to many days in the future. And I, Daniel, fainted and was sick for days. Afterward, I arose and went about the king's business. I was astonished by the vision, but no one understood it. Beloved, God wants us to be informed of his long-term plan. And what are the aspects of God's plan as seen in chapter 8 in the vision of Daniel? There are six aspects. We're going to review the first three. We must understand God's desire to reveal the future. God gave Daniel the vision to let him know what is going to happen. Number two, we must understand the meaning of the goat and the ram. We're going to unpack even more the meaning of the goat and the ram. Number three, we must understand the rise of the little horn. We saw last week the little horn that's going to push up from the, the four horns of the Greek Empire. And this week, we're going to look at the fourth aspect of the vision, and, we, and that is we must recognize our need for divine assistance. We pick a text back up in 13, and we find Daniel trying to understand the prophetic vision. It's a lot for him to digest. This vision foretells the kingdoms of the future. And the scripture notes that Daniel is seeking the meaning. It seems that Daniel had been praying and seeking God's help and understanding the vision he had. Then suddenly an angel appears who has the appearance of a man. Verse 13 tells us these angels are called holy ones. So the angel the, on the banks of the Uli River spoke to another angel who has the name Gabriel. The angel we'll see later in this book and also we see Gabriel in Luke chapter 1. And the first angel requests that Gabriel uh, give the meaning of the vision to Daniel. So Daniel fell on his face when Gabriel came to him. And Gabriel in all his glory appeared to Daniel. By the way, that's a sermon in itself. And the angel touched him and strengthened him for the comprehension of this future prophecy. This is the first appearance of Gabriel in the scriptures. Daniel needed divine assistance to understand this prophetic vision. We see in chapter 9 of, of Daniel, the scripture says, Now while I was speaking, Daniel speaking, praying and confessing my sin and the sin of my people Israel 
and presenting my supplication before the Lord my God for the holy mountain of my God. Yes, while I was speaking in prayer, the man Gabriel, whom I had seen in the vision at the beginning, being caused to fly swiftly, reached me about the time of the evening offering. And he informed me and talked with me and said, O Daniel, I have now come forth to give you skill to understand. At the beginning of your supplications, the command went out, and I have come to tell you, for you are greatly beloved, and therefore consider the matter and understand the vision. So here we see the angel Gabriel coming to help Daniel understand God's prophetic word. How much more do we need prophetic discernment and prophetic wisdom from the Spirit of God and from God himself. We see in the Old Testament, Ezekiel also received a vision. He also needed divine help. And the scripture says, In the visions of God, he took me into the land of Israel and set me on a very high mountain. On it toward the south was something like the structure of a city. He took me there, and behold, there was a man whose appearance was like the appearance of bronze. He had a line of flax and a measuring rod in his hand, and he stood in the gateway. And he said to me, Son of man, look with your eyes and hear with your ears, and fix your mind on everything I show you, for you were brought here so that I might show them to you. Declare to the house of Israel everything you see. Ezekiel uh, was the recipient of a divine messenger and his help to understand the visions that he saw. So, beloved, we need help in grasping the meaning of God's word, and particularly the visions of the future and what they mean. If the prophets who saw the visions needed help to understand them, we certainly need help to grasp the meaning for us today. That's why Jesus promised that we would have help, help from his own spirit whom he would send. He promised the Holy Spirit would be sent and would help us understand what was going to happen in the future. In John 16, Jesus said, Nevertheless, I tell you the truth, it is your advantage that I go away, for if I do not go away, the Helper will not come to you. But if I depart, I will send him to you. And when he has come, he will convict the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment, of sin because they do not believe in me, of righteousness because I go to my Father, and you see me no more, of judgment because the ruler of this world is judged. I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. However, when he, the spirit of truth, has come, there's the Holy Spirit, he will guide you into all truth, for he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will tell you things to come. The spirit of God gives us an anointing so that we can understand the truths of God and what God is saying is going to happen in the future. That is why Jesus said, He will tell you things to come. The Spirit helps us in so many ways, but certainly in understanding spiritual truth. That's why Paul says that the natural man cannot understand the things of God. That is why the spiritual man, the person who's received the Holy Spirit, gains the ability to comprehend what God says in His Word and about the future. Ask God today to give you discernment and understanding from his spirit and help you understand what's going to happen going forward and trust that he will do it. Number five, we must grasp the timing for God's future plan. In verses 20 through 26, the angel explains the meaning of the vision. The angel states that he was making known to Daniel what would happen in the latter time. 
until the rise of the powerful king who would commit the abomination of desolation. The angel confirms the meaning of the two-horned ram as the Medo-Persian Empire, the two different horns signifying two different kings, the king of the Medes and the king of the Persians. And the angel confirms that the male goat, representing the kingdom of Greece, who rises after the two-horned ram, has a single horn, a single king, who's the first king of this empire. We saw last week that horn is Alexander the Great. After the large horn is broken, he died at 33 years of age. The four horns that rise up after him represent the Diodokai, four generals who take over Alexander's vast divided empire, but without the full power of the first horn, Alexander the Great. History tells us that none of the four generals who became kings of the divided empire ruled with the strength that Alexander had. These next three verses go into detail about the rise of a fierce king who executed sinister schemes and who prospers in his destructive power and persecution of God's holy people. We saw this king as the little horn in verse 9. It is Antiochus IV Epiphanes who usurped the throne of the Seleucid kingdom, the Greek kingdom of Egypt, from his nephew, the son of his older brother, Seleucus IV. Antiochus Epiphanes, the manifest one in Greek, he pushed eastward and southward, and he took over much of Egypt. He took over the Middle East and into Southeast Europe. He was the Greek king who ruled from 175 B.C. until his death in 164 B.C. The king was used by God to punish the transgressors, here noted in verse 23. He is known for his treachery and intrigue, which matches the scripture right here, and to catch his victims unprepared and unaware of his schemes. He also ruled with an arrogance that caused him to claim himself as deity. The coins that had been found minted with his picture actually bore the title, God Manifest. He fits the little horn type of Antichrist also mentioned in 2 Thessalonians 2 as the man of sin. His arrogance caused him to force all his subjects to worship the gods he demanded and forsake the God of Israel. He was like Nebuchadnezzar, who got extremely arrogant and expected all his subjects to bow down to the great image he had set up. He even went further than Nebuchadnezzar in that he sought to abolish Yahweh worship, the ancestral religion of the Jews, even forbidding them to circumcise their children or possess a copy of the Hebrew Scriptures. He would execute anyone who did. He desecrated in the worst possible way the holy temple altar with a statue of Zeus and the sacrifice of pigs on it. In terms of exact timing, for the 1150 days prior to the rededication of the temple, according to this prophecy, there's a point in time in which the daily offerings were stopped in the temple. And 45 days later, Antiochus Epiphanes built the statue of Zeus and offered a pig on it. The date is the Hebrew month Chislev, 167 B.C. This prophecy coincides perfectly with what occurred in history. So the temple was contaminated for 1,150 days. The time frame for the cleansing of the temple after being desecrated by Antiochus is clearly predicted in verse 14. This prophecy, as I mentioned last week, outlines 2,300 mornings and evenings, which is best understood as 1,150 evenings and 1,150 mornings. And it marks the rededication of the temple by Judas Maccabeus 
on December the 14th, 164 B.C. This date also marks the origins and first celebration known today to us as Hanukkah. What happened to Antiochus IV Epiphanes? Verse 25 predicts his sudden destruction, but not by human means, which implies it's by the hand of God. As a penalty for having taken his stand against the prince of princes, which is actually the Lord God Almighty, he died suddenly after attempting to pillage a temple in Persepolis. History recounts to us that he was seized with a severe abdominal pains that never left him, and he fell out of the chariot in which he was riding. As a result of his injuries from his fall and the attack of worms on his bowels accompanied by a revolting stench, he died begging the God of Israel to spare his life. He died by non-human means, just like the scriptures say, the Lord struck him dead. A lot could be said about the Maccabean revolt against Antiochus IV that led to the cleansing of the temple and the rededication of the temple. And we will look more at this as we progress through this book. But what is important is that for 400 years, these events transpire just like the prophetic vision of Daniel. This applies to us as we can trust that the prophetic word in the scripture foretells what's going to happen in our future going forward. And we must understand what is coming and we must be prepared. And the last aspect of this vision is we need to recognize the emotional strain of Daniel's vision. The scripture records, and I, Daniel, fainted and was sick for days. Afterward, I rose and went about the king's business, but I was astonished by the vision, but no one understood it. The reality is prophecy can be hard to understand. What exactly is literal? What exactly is figurative? What is metaphorical and what is symbolic in general? To understand the scriptures literally represents the best option for interpretation. Matthew 24 through 25 records the words of Jesus that give the signs of the end of the age. Jesus mentions the abomination of desolation spoken of by Daniel as one of the key signs of the end of the age which is yet to occur. Here, Daniel actually got sick from the emotional strain of seeing what was going to happen in the future. The one thing that super bothered Daniel was the persecution and the martyrdom he witnessed in the vision of God's children during the seven-year tribulation, which is coming, at the hand of the ruthless world dictator, the future little horn, who sets himself above all as divine. Friend, the vision of the future can be upsetting. It can be uh, difficult but it can also be uplifting. God wants us to be prepared. God wants us to know. That is why God revealed to Daniel in a vision the things that are yet to come, both in terms of the world empires and in terms of the very end. And we're going to look at this as we dig into chapter 9, 10, 11, and 12. We're going to see in more detail what's going to happen as we approach the end of time and the end of the age. God wants us to be prepared. And so it can be uplifting. It can, it can be a sustaining. It depends in large part on our faith and the power of God to sustain and protect and carry us through what we know will be a difficult time. But the end will be worth it when we trust in Jesus and walk in sync with him, receiving the end of our faith, which is heaven. I want to share this last story. Years ago, Reverend... Uh, Robert Lowry 
who was 38 years old, ministered in New York City during that terrible period in 1864 when the plague was sweeping away multitudes of citizens. When he wasn't visiting sick members of his church, Hanson Place Baptist Church, he was conducting funerals. On a hot July day, Reverend Lowry himself was near collapse. He was exhausted. He was discouraged. He was dispirited. Reaching for a scrap of paper, he began composing a poem. Then, at his organ, he composed the music to support the poem in a song, a worship song. It spoke of his hope to meet his suffering and dying parishioners in heaven one day, down by the river of life. He wrote these words, Shall we gather at the river where bright angel feet have trod with its crystal tide forever flowing by the throne of God? Yes, we'll gather at the river, the beautiful, the beautiful river. Gather with the saints at the river that flows by the throne of God. I leave you with these beautiful words of Jude. Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you blameless before the presence of his glory with great joy to the only God, our Savior, through Jesus Christ, our Lord, be glory, majesty, dominion, and authority before all time and now and forever. Amen. God bless you all this week, and I look forward to seeing you next week. Thank you for listening to Crestview Inspiration. May this ministry touch your heart, encourage you, and strengthen you. And may the Lord bless you in your spiritual walk this week. So on behalf of the Crestview family, we invite you back next week, Friday at 10 a.m. on WPTL as we spread the good news of Jesus.